Catchphrase. I thought it was curveball. Okay. Five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything that you need to know about the Vancouver Titans. This is Chris at Lightforce, the sweet, the sultry voice that acts as an extreme contrast to the voice of Torbjorn, <laughs> joined virtually by both Sam, another Sam Chan, and Omni at Omni Strife. Gentlemen, uh, what's new this week? Unlike uh, the Titans, uh, my placements didn't go undefeated. No? Your uh, comp season got off to a rough start? <laughs> oh, yeah. Very bad. But you to more positive news, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're Are you undefeated in comp? Me? No, I'm not undefeated <laughs> anything. But thank you very much, NYXL and Vancouver Titans. My dinner w- date went quite well. Hmm. <laughs> that... That uh, turned into be a quicker, quicker weekend. The match, if I recall, before, before I got my food. So, yeah. and and you were the one that was suggesting it was going to run long because you know your favorite team out of Toronto was playing. <laughs> they tried to stall, but then they realized they were already down three zero, and they can't stall even if they wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are back with another week's episode. Before we jump into our regular scheduled content, a couple things we wanted to remind you about. One, we are in the home stretch of the final week of the My Roadcast contest. That's where you get to choose the podcast that resonates the most to you. Uh, we, If you haven't done so already, toss us a vote to find the link. You just have to head to Twitter. We tweet it out like almost every second day. It's the pinned tweet right now. Uh, tell your friends and family to vote. There's a two-minute podcast uh, where we talk about Bumper. If you haven't listened to it already, so please show us some love. We also have been asked, you know, how can I support the podcast? Well, the easiest way that you can support us is by sharing our podcast throughout all your social media channels. We want you to tell your friends, your family, you know that letter you write to grandma? Tell her, listen to Ready, Set, Pwn. Now, you might have to explain the Pwn part. She may not understand that. But that's how you can show us the love. Obviously, there's also the reviews, which we're going to talk a little bit about at the end of the episode, as we always do. But uh, as far as what the content is, hey, the Titans are undefeated. We're going to talk a little bit about the fact that they won again, what the week will be. We're going to dive into some Titans news. A couple things have come down the pipeline. There is another viewing party for those of you south of the border. we got details about that. In the fray, we've got match of the day, both in regards to the week that was, but also the week that will be. There's PTR changes galore. It's as if the development team has been tossing back the Red Bull. And uh, anything else that we can fit into your favorite Vancouver Titans podcast, this side of Antarctica. Moving the payload. Join me. Is it me, or did the Titans outright boot stomp 
the Los Angeles Valiant this weekend. Like I, I got to rewind here. I did predict that it would be a three, one final. And I also need to give some respect to Omni who I continue to say that uh, the Titan, he had the Titans winning three, two, though you had it three, one as well. When I went back and listened to the pod, but how the heck did I even think that was going to be a trap game? It was, it was completely unfair. Yeah, it was a trap for the Valiant. <laughs> it, I was I was at the viewing party, so I wasn't that equipped to just track the numbers and watch some analytics and try to give you an analysis. But that was a beatdown. It, it wasn't even close. That was probably the least close 3-1 game that I have ever seen. I'm still pissed that you guys were somehow both right and I'm <laughs> the one that came out wrong. Well, like that was that was annoying. Um, it was a, it was a complete massacre and, and everything I said last week, I still think was correct outside of the final score. Um, it like the Valiant are just stage one. They're not a good team. Nope. Not at all. The, the thing about that, you know, the weekend, well, first of all, uh, that was what the quickest, you know, uh, game one in any, or in any match this season, like it was a, you know, 200 O's, uh, the Titans took the point, owned it. Um, we saw the Valiant on King's row put up a little bit of a fight, but again, Titans pulled it out. And then on uh, horizon, it was, <laughs> it was a done deal. In fact, you know, to your credit there, Sam, the Titans probably should have won map four being raw Rialto, like no arguably, kidding. That was not the map that they they should have lost, but we got to see some some interesting stuff. So, for instance, Rappel finally got into uh, a match. She got subbed in for map four, and I completely get why you know the Titans would look to do that. That is now that it's a win, the map uh, you go and uh, you try to see what you've got. But you also had Bumper, and Bumper is like. I don't know. How, how would we would describe Bumper when when the team has already got the win in hand? Well, what can you do? We, we can only surmise and try to understand the best Ryan in the world. And when he's on a roll, man, just just lean back and enjoy the show. Sometimes it feels that's what the rest of the team is doing. And yeah, he showed some uh, pretty uh, disrespectful gestures there, uh, emoting on the card. But I was enjoying every minute. People always like complain about how, how everybody kind of recycles those same replies and tries to be friendly with the opponents, and there's no real rivalries or anybody who's like trying to be hyper competitive. And Bumper, he's all that, and 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 I see that he's kind of like a the front man for the Titans right now. And, and just looking at social media and, and Reddit threads and whatnot, people are kind of joining our side, so to speak. They, they, they are loving it. And, and yeah, enjoy the show. What can I say? You don't think he just pressed the wrong button? Oh, well, I, I'm not sure there are any wrong buttons for Bumper. <laughs> he, yeah, probably going into map four, he was kind of bored. So he probably, uh, uh, reconfigured his key bindings or something like that. I, I'm not sure. He was still owning, but <laughs> what can you Every, do? Everything was calculated, right? Correct. Uh, so, pa- yeah, just calculated Neil on the cart, huh? Yeah, exactly. Just to speak on Repel for a second, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily like the greatest uh, debut for him. I think a lot of people looking in said, like, you know, who is this guy? Right, like the only yeah. non runaway guy. 
Unfortunately, he kind of dove off off a boat there into the water at some point. I think he but... was booped, right? Mm, I, I don't know. It looked like he walked off. <laughs> like, well, well Zenyatta technically doesn't walk, so he kind okay, of floated <laughs> off. Yeah, how can he float on a boat but not float on the water? Like, that's know, there's something there. But, but like that, I I think I was the only one that was upset because I was I was already sh- calling my shots, calling that four zero, but. But I think Rappel can be better than he showed in, and and you know the team in general. Um, that alt uh, just to save bumper at the end there was also baffling. I think I think is the word we would use. Um, well, in fairness to him, though, I mean maybe bumper was calling for it, or maybe oh, Rappel yeah. thought bumper. I, again, they were they were attacking spawn. The Titans go back to the cart. Bumper's like. F this, I'm one v six in this bad boy, <laughs> <laughs> and some, and you would like to believe him, and I, and I think the the fact that you know I'm I'm a little disembogulated about this whole match is because everything just seemed to go by super duper quick. Um, like I'm mixing up maps, I'm mixing up plays, just yeah. just because everything everything flew. Like I I can 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 either and i know we watch the titans but can either of you remember a good play from the valiant just to just to give them you know that that gentleman's tip i can't remember a single thing so Hmm. yeah valiant are not doing uh too well looking at the game we talked a bunch about uh bumper here i think the well i don't want to say the unsung hero because i think he got even player of the of the match but but slime was so good he was constantly booping them around, kind of playing much, much better than the counterpart Lucio and Valiant. And I think that was kind of the difference there. Because looking at the Valiant, they, they appear to have all the tools to be a good GOATS team, but they're not, right? They have space, they have fate, they have a decent team. But in order to kind of reap the rewards of this meta, like kind of like the Titans do, you got to have those uh, surprising boops coming on around you. And I feel that that's what, slime was doing so well he constantly gets the upper hand on what was it uh who, who's playing there rocky on the valley cookie. no that's cookie, cookie. yeah i was close <laughs> but a cookie it seems like he wasn't really that willing to take a wall ride and kind of battle a bit above yeah. ground so yeah so because i don't actually watch the matches i'm gonna kind of quote <laughs> fian if you guys haven't read fandor's uh reviews definitely go to our website ready set shame on you and, and uh, read those reviews just because that's that's basically how you become a podcaster you just go read the reviews and then pop on here but i'm gonna read this verbatim and it says valiant led with kooky with on with kooky i can't even read properly with kooky on lucio again that decisions continues to be baffling as kooky still cannot wall ride and does not seem to be a strong shot color based on what can be seen of the team's coordination and like that's one of the weirdest things. And I, I don't follow the Valiant day to day. I did not think Kuki was good last year when I watched a lot of Soul games. It was one of you know the many frustrations of of having mediocre Soul players. And and from my memory, Kuki was on tank last year. Um, yeah. So so the fact and 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 I can almost understand this if if they just don't have the support guys, maybe one of their guys is underage or, or whatever it is, but they have their team captain Custa just kind of hanging out in the background, eating Oreos. So why do they not play Custa? Why do they continue to play Kuki when everybody, even we know that he can't wall ride. 
They I, said why. They said why. They said that Custa understands goats too well, and that causes some communication issues during the matches. Something like that. I I was shocked to hear that. I was he's so too ridiculous. good. Yeah, he's too good. He understands too well. Yeah, like I would be so mad if I was a Valiant fan, um, but you know I'm not, so we're good. Yep. Uh, one other thing that I will you know saltily bring up now is I remember you remember when we were doing the power rankings, and I I don't know if any of you guys can pull it up, but we did have the Valiant you know somewhere in the middle, not not too low. Let me just. We had um, a, we had him ranked just at seventh, just below the Titans, and and one of the beef that people had on us, uh, Dfad Master said, "There's no way Valiant is that low," and and both of us were like, "Well, they dropped soon," and and somebody else dropped in and said, "Well, the highlight of Valiant was always Fate and Space, uh, yeah. not soon." Well, Fate and Space aren't doing too too great. In fact, I think one of the casters was joking that that space would lose his job, which is which is a strange thing to say. I mean, I mean, we wish all of them well, mm-hmm. but but it, it's it's gotten grim, guys. Yeah, they had two close games. They went to map five against NYXL week two, week one. They played well against uh, Spark, and I believe that they're like kind of internally collapsing there. They're playing so reactive and not proactive, and that's the last thing you want to do in goats. So I don't know what's going on there. That enough about the Valiant. <laughs> no, let's talk about Titans where everything is great. So to wrap up that 3-1 victory <laughs> over the Valiant, just to wrap it up, uh, Janu continuing to show that he can put in work. Um, we saw another solid Janu bomb, although maybe not as exciting considering how well the Titans walked over the Valiant. Um, if there was Anything that we saw outside of maybe the two 100s and, and Nepal that was indicative of how well the Titans played, they actually challenged uh, the first point on King's Row, where I think in any other match, they concede. They actually, I think it was like 97% or something. Oh and then the Titans actually challenged, knocked the Valiant off the point, and then proceeded to harass its spawn. Right. That was how confident they were that they could actually take it to Los Angeles. There was um, also, but yo, sorry, there was also a point in Nepal, in Nepal where we lost two players and and we won the fight. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was it, crazy. You blink and it's over. <laughs> which essentially that's what it was. Which is to your earlier point. If you're not reading these uh, post games from Fiandor, you're missing out. That's actually something we had said on Twitter. If you happen to blink and miss it, the post game there is to catch you all up. I actually want to talk a little bit about um, some statistics that uh, we now have seen uh, having gone in for, you know, four weeks. The uh, interesting note, currently sitting number two in damage dealt is Soman Su at mm-hmm. 12K, just over 12K, a thousand behind Sinatra, which I actually was kind of surprised that Sinatra was at the top considering where San Fran has sort of found themselves. Um, is that, was that something that we could have easily predicted or is that someone so just gaining, um, you know, opportunity on the play of someone like bumper uh, on the fact that uh, we are seeing uh, the Titans themselves situationally win, you know, team fight after team fight. I think there was a stat shared that um, if bumper um, happens to get the first strike, 
on a on a player or something, the Titans are almost guaranteed to win that particular team fight. So some like weird wacky stat like that. Right. It's a product of both things, but all all players are so good on their own, but there's synergy about this team that once uh you have all the pieces uh are combined, they they kind of p- play better than the sum of their parts, right? And Sominsu is uh I believe the, the one of the biggest reasons on the team to uh for the team's success. Looking at more stats uh, on Winston's lab actually, I was able to see today that he has the highest win rate of any Zarya main on in the league, including uh, Nene from NYXL, including, uh, yeah, all, all the others. So he's just leading that charge with a 72% win rate. Uh, and that's that ratio is like time on the Zarya divided by, uh, times one, I'm sorry, divided by the time he played. So he's really good on that hero. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. One of, one of the things that all the casters have been pounding into our brains is, is that in most team fights, whoever loses their Zarya first usually loses that team fight. And and if you look at Sominsu's stats and his deaths, he he almost never dies, which conversely means he's always has a charge. And that's why we're seeing these kind of record breaking, record breaking uh, damage dealing almost mm-hmm. almost every match, um, especially in closer games. Um, I think I think against the Shock the. Both Sinatra and, and Solmansu broke some records in terms of damage dealt, but that's that's a reflection of of goats first of all, and then also that that team play that that Omni was kind of alluding to is is the fact that he's and 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 I I would guess that the Titans know this stat that they know you know Bumper can go they can even yeah. lose a Lucio but they can't lose Solmansu because without that charge without that damage um, that team fight is as good as lost so so they're very strategic about first who they protect and then secondly who they go after um and that's been kind of very prevalent in 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 their team fights whereas you know bump usually it's bumper or Haxel who's the first death in in a team fight yeah. but very very rarely almost never that i can remember just off you know going off the top of my head at Solman too yeah one of the analysts on uh overwatch league said I, I forgot who it was he said that if bumper played on any other team he would feed his brains out which is true and and every time they like Go to Salmon Sue's uh, POV in the match. Like he's, it's like he's spawning with like ninety five percent, not percent, but ninety five damage, hundred damage. Because every time Bumper just goes into an opposing team, he just bubbles him in perfect times, and he's right there, uh, you know, reaping the rewards that that uh, Bumper feeds him with all that high energy. So uh, yeah, it's perfect synergy. Well. As we segue into the upcoming uh, stage uh, or week's worth of gameplay, sorry, we have the Titans facing off against both Paris Eternal and Chengdu Hunters. Now, I want to actually share the maps that we're going to see the the Titans play in each of the the two games. So we have against the Paris Eternal, the Titans uh, starting off in Ilios, going to Numbani, uh, to uh, what's a who's it? Um, gosh darn it, Moon. Horizon. Horizon, thank you. Uh, and then we have uh, Rialto as uh, game four. Against the Chengdu Hunters, we start off with Ilios again. We then go to Hollywood North, as we now call it. We have Anubis, and then we have uh, Route 66. Now, why might I share the maps that we're going to see the Titans play? Well, here's another statistic based on map performance. Currently, 
The Titans are undefeated on both hybrid and assault maps. They're 2-0 for Hollywood North as well as King's Row, and they're also uh, 2-0 for Volskaya, 1-0 for Anubis. For Control, they've only lost once, and that was on Nepal. They've won on Nepal, so they've won and won. They're 2-0 on Busan, 1-0 on Ilios. Their weakest map style is Escort. They have won on Dorado, but they have yet to win on Route 66 and Rialto, being 0-2 and 0-1, respectively. Now, presuming the Vancouver Titans take those statistics and continue to move forward, on that alone, we see the Titans winning both of those uh, both of those matches. Now, I know it's not as simple as that because we are going to see two different lineups, but I'd have to say that I don't see how anyone figures out how to beat the Titans on Hollywood North. So isn't it nice that you're already up 1-0 and you haven't even started a, the match yet? That's a pretty accurate description and prediction that for those matches. Yeah, I agree. I, I believe we never lost even point A on uh, Hollywood. Is that correct? On Hollywood? Well, no, they've we've never seen another team get to escort. I think uh, they may have, other teams may have gotten ticks. But, but even never, never, yeah. never taken point A. Like it, that's, it's unbelievable how well the Titans are able to play that particular map. Right. And, and I think this is one of the, you know, minor tweaks that the Overwatch League could do is because it's, it's always in the same order, right? So I'm not so sure that, that Titans are, are particularly bad on escort. I think the circumstances are different when you're up three Oh, um, I think the only one, that that we could really kind of depend on right now is the Route 66 they lost uh, against the Guangzhou charge. Um, other than that, like the 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 assault maps have been for the most part kind of meaningless. Um, not to say that we shouldn't hold them accountable or they shouldn't close out because I really want my 4-0 predictions to work. Um, hmm. I keep going back on that, but like it would be nice if like oh let's just switch it up and and I know that they they already picked the maps for the the matches, but like why do we always need to start on control? Like, why not mm-hmm. we start on, on Numbani or, or like whatever else, right? Like, just switch it up so that we're not watching the same play styles every time. And that could be, ad- in this scenario, it's advantageous to supposedly the Titans because apparently we, we're not as good on, on Assault. But but for, you know, just to, just to, for the parody's sake, right? Like, I think it makes more sense to, to kind of not always start with control. And and remember, it was just a week ago. This this time we were talking about it, and we, apparently Titans couldn't play control back then. So, so who knows? Yeah. The the other thing to consider as well as when we are going through the stats is that Kings Row they're two and zero. Is it safe to say that the Titans had no business on winning against the San Francisco Shock? Like they won, they somehow pulled it out. But I think to a person on this podcast, each one of us saw that as, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're going to lose. We'll, we'll see mm-hmm. you next round. And somehow pulled that out. Um, not to count the LA Valiant, you know, unfortunately for the Valiant, uh, they weren't that good. The other thing though, that you raised Sam is, as far as a point is that, yeah, Escort has been for the most part, map four. And as the Titans have shown, they play that map style as their, ah, let's have some fun, check things out. Uh, the only one being that one route 66 against the, uh, the charge, which arguably the Titans should have won had they not gone into, uh, you know, aggressive stupidity mode or essentially how light force plays. Uh, 
Um, it was, it was nuts, but let's seriously compare, you know, our, our two matchups. So the Titans play on Friday, the first game of the day, which is not as early as you might think they are. The league now sees the reduction of our Thursday and Friday matches down to three in our, our final two uh, match weeks. They have the Titans facing off against the Paris Eternal on a Friday afternoon, 5.30 PM Pacific. Are we thinking that this is a, well, it is a tougher fight than Valiant, but a tough fight or having seen Paris now play being out of the record of two and one, might this one more heavily favor the Titans? I think it'll be definitely harder than the game we fought against the Valiant, but the result will be the, the same in my opinion. I think we might get to see a map five in this one. Paris Paris seems like the type of team that can stretch things out. I think I, I I'm actually a little bit surprised because that Paris height grew so fast from you know again going back to the power rankings we put them kind of at the middle of the pack um, maybe it could be good could be bad can't really tell and then when they when they beat London everyone was like oh crap like they're a really really good goats team uh, they're they're gonna dominate this and and it was it was one game right like they they you know kudos to them they played well against London they played well I can't remember the other team they played um, but they played well in that one too. But they they were two and zero, oh, and everybody was you know putting them in the same category as NYXL and Vancouver, and then all of a sudden Atlanta kind of stomps them and brings them back down the earth. And and I've never also never seen the hype drop so fast. And and even in the standings, they went from like third to like tenth or something like that, just because they haven't they haven't played many games. Um, so so that being said, I think they're still like a very decent goats team. Um, it and and the Achilles heel for the Titans where we need to watch out is, is when will the aggression kind of come back to bite us in the butt? Um, that, and, and that's really where, where the swing can come in. And eventually if, if the Titans ever do lose a mass or drop a match, that's going to be the reason why. Right. So, so it depends one, how, how much discipline the Titans can show when, when, especially when they're up, and and whether Paris can can get coordinated, like which which Paris will we see the ones against the Spitfire or the ones against the Rain? Yeah, their other game was against the Gladiators. So again, not right. a team that's doing that great. Yeah. Now, no team has played fewer matches than Paris. They've only played three. Which, in contrast, you have both New York and uh, Hangzhou having six matches played so far. So when we start to look at map differential right now, the Paris Eternal are dash one all because of that loss. I mean, they're, they're five, six, and one for, for maps, five, uh, five wins, six, uh, loss, one draw. Um, so it's hard to look at um, their performance so far because the sample size is so small. I think they're not as bad as some may believe them to be at this point. We saw that they do know how to play GOATs. Are they to the same caliber as the Titans? No, I don't. I don't believe so. Um, I, if I were to wager a prediction, actually have the Titans winning this three-one. But I actually don't have any problem if the Titans were to win this three-two. Hmm. Where do you think they rank on on in terms of just pure goats, Paris? I, well, I see them as bottom tier playoff. Uh, right now, like when we look at at where they they fall within you know stage one play, uh, the difficulty is that the sample size is is so small, and I I could be wrong, 
But when in their two wins, they handled themselves well. I mean, arguably people had them in, you know, top five for the most part. It was just one loss. Oh, bottom they go. And I think a lot of the power rankings right now are really heavily weighting standings when we don't have a, a balanced schedule to, to represent teams performance um, effectively. And here, case in point, I'll use your, your boys down in Seoul, the Seoul dynasty right now, ranked wise, they've got two wins, three losses. Their map differential, however, is zero, mm-hmm. right? They, their map differential is telling us that they are able to play. It's just that they've had a couple losses where they've not been able to, to make things work, but standing wise 13th. And I think in power rankings, people are even putting them lower than that. So I, I, I think we need to wait until we get into stage two before we see these weekly power rankings really, really resonate. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, 3-1 at best for Paris. And I mean 3-1 because I think the Titans will eventually like take the foot off the gas. I wasn't impressed because you said they lost just one game, but it's the ma- they lost 4-0 to Atlanta and they seem to be kind of uh, shaken and... Paris appears to me like a very structurally rigid GOATS team. And once Ben Best sees, uh, smells uh, <laughs> Bumper's breath in his face, meaning if you'll be that close to him, I think uh, it'll it's be... chasing. Ooh, it's going to end quickly in those, in those uh, particular fights. I think he's their Achilles heel uh, for Paris, Ben Best is. And I think uh, Bumper will smell that off of him a mile away. So both of you guys go 3-1, I'll go 3-2, and I'll probably be wrong again, but we'll take it there. Probably. And then the next, uh, second match over the course of the weekend is the fa- uh, fact, it's already what we already know, is that the uh, Titans are playing the Chengdu Hunters on Sunday afternoon. It's the last match of the day at 4.30 in the afternoon. Now, I've already pointed out that based on the Titans' performance on Hollywood North, they've already up one <laughs> is there any any chance for Chengdu here? Uh, I'm kind of more afraid uh, of Chengdu more. We we saw the Titans; they will generally play better in one game when they play two in a week. And these are the teams that can pull up uh, like a crazy strat that might take us out of the comfort zone. Now, by no means I mean that they will win, but I think it'll be a bit challenging, and they will have to kind of be more adaptive. Uh, to the crazy stuff. Are they going to pull the hamster thing again? Are they? Is that even a question? Do do, do they have anything else in the arsenal? (laughs) Like that's, that's the thing, right? Like, are they, are they going to adapt or die? And, and right now, like it was, it was a, it was an interesting gimmick after you've watched nine games of goats, but Mm. in the standings. And that's why, that's why I go back to like, I'm really surprised they beat the charge at the beginning of the season. Um, mm-hmm. I guess one day, one game, anything can happen. But I mean, my math says Vancouver beat Shanghai for nothing. Shanghai beat Chengdu for nothing. So is that eight nothing? What? Right. And those uh, weird uh, looping power rankings don't include uh, Vancouver. So your logic is sound there. Yeah. 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 That's that's perfect. The Mobius strip that is Overwatch. <laughs> Or yeah. vi- what I have Venn diagram I don't know what the other options are here. Um, uh, I don't know how the hunters beat the Titans. Yes. They might throw a curveball, but we've seen the Titans adapt in real time 
And ultimately, I think they have more versatility, even if they don't make the necessary sub, if for some reason we see Chengdu go, you know, full DPS, quad DPS, something like that. So I, I'm going to give it to the Titans. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the safe 3-1 here. Yeah. I see what you did there with the curveball metaphor. Pretty <laughs> nice. <laughs> but uh, what about you, Omni? You're going to go 3-1 or you're going to go for that 4-0? Uh, Could get burned like me. <laughs> See the struggle with four zero. I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go for a four zero. Really? I'll I'll charge myself off the map. I'm I'm good. See, that's the thing. Like map differential matters. Yet the Titans seem to be okay. Well, we're winning large enough, so therefore, do we really need those right. those extra maps? I mean, we we look at the standings right now. And New York Excelsior, 6-0, six, oh, six wins, no losses. Map differential right now is plus 12. They have two more matches more than the Vancouver Titans. If the Titans were to win 3-1-3-1, three, one, three, one, they now have plus one on the Excelsior going from plus nine to, to plus 13. So it seems that the Titans' strategy of having fun on the fourth map where they can hasn't hurt them yet. It's just worrisome that they are taking map four as the practice map. I get that they need to, when it comes to bringing in uh, and rotating in players, but I still would prefer to see the Titans, you know, put their foot on the gas and keep it there. Right. And one of the coaches, I think it was Pajion, right? He said that uh, he was kind of not, not impressed with that performance. So I'm not sure uh, Titans will be allowed to uh, try that one again. Yeah, and if you're not sure as to what uh, Omni is referring to, Pajian uh, tweeted uh, a message after the weekend, after the match, where he had English followed by Korean. But what's interesting is that the Korean translation did not match the English above. And so in English, it was like, yeah, we're, you know, performing at our best. Uh, we continue to strive to do so. In Korean, it was like, we're performing our best, yet we should not perform the way we did. We need to take it seriously. So eh, interesting dynamic where you, you have such a tweet in existence. So we've all got right. uh, two more wins. Yeah. And, and one thing that we haven't touched on at all is, with, with two, actually with one more win even I think we clinch playoff spot for stage one so that's something to be celebrated oh yeah you know I was it just, I could give take it for given right yeah I guess and I was gonna say was it ever in doubt but you know practically we weren't entirely sure what to make of the Titans early on I mean you look at our our preseason power ranking we had the Titans near the the bottom of our our stage playoffs and we thought that that was a conservative approach but again it was there were so many unknowns after essentially the first two weeks did either of you have any doubt that the titans were in the playoffs mm, well not really not really no no i mean we we look at who they're they're playing the schedule and i think the titans had the benefit of getting out to that sort of early uh, lead, getting some confidence. And now I mean, outside of the Excel, I don't think there are teams out there that are all that interested in playing the Titans early on. They want to play the Titans in that second match. They want to play the Titans where they have that advantage where they can prepare solely for them while the Titans have to prepare for two teams. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the things about the Titans and, and, going back to power rankings, why I ranked so highly is because I think both these teams had, had somewhat of an easier schedule. 
um, at least for stage one. Um, we, we know the dynasty story, but we're not a dynasty podcast. So unnecessarily to go there, but, but the Titans have definitely kind of taken advantage of, of a somewhat weaker schedule compared mm-hmm. to, compared to some of the other teams. But I mean, we're like, I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, being a Canucks fan for so many years that there's so much negativity that we need to celebrate and become beacons of positivity. So, so, you know, when we clinch playoff spots, like let's celebrate guys, like, Right. Not not just not just go, oh, brush it off, no big deal. Like, you know, twelve other teams won't make it. So here we are. Gotta take gotta take can't take it for granted. Yeah, I think they're they're a pr- a proud team. They're they're aiming towards that seven oh. And I agree with you that their schedule is a little a little bit uh lighter than the other teams because they don't have to play uh the Titans. So that's already a big hurdle out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, looking at NYXL, I think they even have a, an easier schedule for uh, stage one. Yep, but, that's, that's true as well. I think I think NY kind of stayed glued for the most part to, to the East Coast outside of Seoul. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Vancouver is really strictly on Pacific. But who knows what is a, an easy game or a hard game <laughs> these days, right? We know. That's why you have to pay attention to every podcast. Uh, that's true. And and read the match uh, yeah. summaries on yeah well, that, that that's our source don't give up our sources <laughs> <laughs> yeah Fiandor's match preview and uh, post game uh, you're not allowed to read those until after Sam has consumed that content and shared it with you apparently <laughs> yeah exactly other Titans news uh, it has been finally announced that Andante is joining the Vancouver Titans as an analyst from a GC Busan Wave now. If you follow the Titans on, or the Titans, sorry, Ready, Set, Pwn on Twitter, we actually shared this possibility weeks ago. Again, we are your premier source. We break stuff because we do all the dirty work to find out everything you need to know. Now, I'll be honest. I think the the acquisition of Andante, or I don't even know if acquisition is the, the best word to use here, um, helps the Titans. It helps free up Harsha, who, from what I understand, has been essentially fulfilling the role of translator slash analyst slash face of the org from a staff perspective. So I think this will help uh, complement what he's already been doing. Uh, And in turn, it does sound like Andante has been working uh, somewhat with Harsha, uh, Yangwon, and Pajon as it uh, pertains to strategy. But any any thoughts on uh, on Andante joining the team? Well, I think just looking at the rosters uh, put next to each other, the thing that jumps out to you immediately when you look at the Titans is how little of a support staff they have in coaches, analysts, support uh, coaches, like and, and yeah, the more hands on deck to help these guys win, the better. I'm not that familiar with his past in uh, GC Busan, you said. But I'm sure with uh, the great eye for talent that the Titans have and possess, I'm sure it'll be a great addition to the team. Yeah, I think I think in Dante, I think I was reading back and, and talking to a couple of people, has been kind of unofficially helping the Titans out you know, as much as he can remotely already but but like i've been kind of joking around with all the video content that that titans have put putting out that like dude they're wearing their their jerseys every single day and they're their titans gear they don't wear anything else and yeah. and and honestly even if they had an extra person to do the laundry that would be great <laughs> <laughs> well i haven't seen a job posting for uh 
laundromat assistant. Uh, That's because it's already taken. And we're going to take up that job. Like we can, we can commute. It's not a big deal. Yeah. It's only a quick, you know, what, two and a half hour flight down to LA from here. Just to do some laundry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you hit the I-5 and drive, you could probably get there in a day, you know, flat out. It's not bad. No. In more Titans news, we also saw the release of some content from the official account. They actually have a video out on YouTube called Titan Tales, which alludes to the fact they may have more tales to tell. But in the first Titan Tales video, they spoke with Harsha before his mustache disappeared. It needed to reference that. He had a mustache. He no longer has a mustache. Um, you know, press F for specs. And uh, Harsha sort of talked about how he got to where he is today, his journey in esports, and he shared this on Twitter, but it resonates quite well with the message. And he says that the biggest takeaway, in my opinion, is that if you want to work in esports, there's nothing stopping you from getting out there and doing the work. And for those that don't know, Harsha actually started as a content creator. Uh, you could argue he was a podcaster. And then from there, built that network, uh, better understood the the game, and now full-time employee of the Vancouver Titans. And I know you, he had worked for uh, the San Francisco Shock prior to that too. But, you know, first of all, I love the content. I love what we're seeing. I want more of it. It's something we share through the Ready, Set, Pwn Twitter account on almost a daily basis. But any other takeaways out of that uh, Titan Tales video outside of the fact that he still had his mustache at the time? I don't know. The more, the better, like you said. And uh, yeah, podcasts are totally a stepping stone. I don't want to be a podcaster for the rest of my life. God damn it. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> it was a good video. Uh, kind of generic because he didn't really talk about his experience with the Titans that much. But I'm looking forward to the other ones coming uh, up, I guess. Well, what I learned is we're all going to be assistant coaches next year, right? That's the plan. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the, I, that's totally the transition. It was podcaster one day, assistant coach the next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to belittle the the efforts that that Harsh has put in. I think he he's grinded his way up, and he's uh he's you know definitely paid his dues. And and I think one of one of the interesting points was when he talked about you know he had to stop going to college for uh to to take advantage of the the Overwatch opportunities and and. Not, not that that should be the takeaway if you're listening to this that you know you should stop going to college and just stream on Twitch all day, but but I think the takeaway for me is it does take sacrifice, and and right now like if if I'm being kind of frank about it, he's he's one of the only English speakers in a mostly Korean staff, and I I don't think that's easy for even a second, um, but but you know he's he's doing what he's doing, and it's a good example for 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 young people out there who are who are looking to get into esports or looking what whatever they're trying to do that it's not just about ours it's about capitalizing on opportunity and making some tough decisions and there's no there's no right choice like who could have faulted him if he just you know stayed in university and 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 you know joined joined esports clubs and, and whatever it is he was doing and continued podcasting but but he made a call and and now now he's reaping the benefits a little bit yeah. and i you know you raise a very key point he took a risk he might have taken a calculated risk. You know, he may have had, you know, every indication that there was an opportunity there that he was going to be successful in, but there were no guarantees. And I'll be honest, if I was in his shoes at that point in time in my life, would I have simply said no to college and, and gone in that direction? I don't know if I would have, because, you know, based on the experience that I have, 
I don't think I would have been maybe as comfortable with the unknown. So again, good on him. And last but not least, the last item we want to talk about the payload is the unofficial viewing party for those of you in Seattle. That's right. We're not talking about the unofficial viewing parties that happen each and every week at the Railway Club here in Vancouver. We're now talking about an unofficial all ages viewing party down in Seattle. So this weekend on the 10th, so again, the Titans match against the Chengdu Hunters, you can take in the Overwatch League gameplay at GameWorks Esports in Seattle. Uh, they're located at uh, 1511th Avenue. Uh, I believe the doors are going to open uh, for Fancouver uh, Titans fans to uh, to walk in at about 4.15 in the afternoon, and it is all ages until 9 p.m., which is awesome. I was actually checking out the venue. I'll be honest, I'm a little jealous. We don't have something like that here in Vancouver. But uh, for all you Titans fans south of the border, anyone in Seattle, anyone in the Seattle area, uh, do go check it out. We've got some more information. If you were trying to frantically write that down uh, on Twitter, you'll see some tweets come out. And as well, we would love to hear from anyone who happens to go to this viewing party as to, you know, how was the event? How was the vibe? Uh, send us pictures. If you send us pictures on Twitter, we'll uh, do our best to, to share them. But what I have been told, is if this unofficial viewing party does do well, there is the possibility that we'll see more. And on that note, if any of you listeners out there are thinking, you know what, I'd like a viewing party in my city. All it takes for you to do is to take charge, find some friends, find some people, coordinate, find a venue, and then it starts to fall into place. Aim at a reasonable number, but if you need help, I'd be more than happy to provide you the insight that I know and the experience that I've gained over the years uh, on at least the more traditional side of Vancouver Canucks. But yeah, you know, we want to help you out. If we can help boost that signal for you, we are here. Now we're going to take a quick break as we normally do before we get into the fray. With that quick break out of the way, let's revisit the week that was and talk a little bit about some of the results. Now, on Thursday, we had the Justice falling 3-1 to the Fusion, the Dynasty falling 3-1 to the Uprising, we had the Charge squeaking past the Mayhem 3-2, and we had the Shock 3-1 over the Spark. Uh, which of those games was the most interesting, in your opinion? Uh, it's a hard choice for Thursday, to be honest, not to, uh, hate on some of these teams. Um, most of these matches on Thursday were underwhelming. I guess I'll, I'll talk about how I'm really like, it's really strange to me how bad Washington looks. Every graph that somebody came out there with an analytics, they're so far behind with anything that comes, uh, with this stage. I feel kind of sad for all the hype of uh, Wizard Young and John and it looks like uh, that experiment in Washington is not really working. Uh, their team is not really doing well in any fight, in any parameter that you can look at. So I'm just hoping that they uh, will kind of improve. I, I don't want to see another, uh, sh well, that they won't be as bad as Shanghai ever because <laughs> they're kind of 
Uh, we don't have that many games this season, but uh, what do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that was the thing. Like they they built their team around Janu, but Janu couldn't get in last season. I mean, granted, he was on one of the best teams in the league, but right. but at the end of the day, he's he's still in the same division as as NYXL. And so, like when I looked at that match back when you know when we were we were watching the NY versus Washington game, which I did watch. Like I just, I just couldn't foresee any way that the the justice could kind of, kind of flip things through and pull through. I th- I think this is going to be a learning season for them. I think the the parity is a lot better, and and maybe we'll touch on the the meta changes that are that are going to come through in a little bit. But but that could swing in their advantage. I'm not ready to tell you they're going to go 0 and 28 or whatever. But they they don't have the talent that some of these other teams have, and their their name isn't the Boston Uprising. So they they don't surprise when you've never heard of their players. <laughs> yeah. On to Friday, we had the Gladiators falling 2-1 to the Spitfire. We had the Toronto Defiant outclassed 3-1 by the New York Excelsior. We've already heard that the Vancouver Titans took it to the LA Valiant 3-1. But the match that I think resonated the most with me is you had the Shanghai Dragons roll the Chengdu Hunters for buzz. Now, would you argue or maybe agree that the Chengdu hunters were proven fallible based on that loss to the dragons, that they didn't have the ability uh, to do anything more than the one trick hamster ball. Yes. (laughs) You just, you just said it all. That's uh, really all it was. Uh, They are counting the days until this stage is over, I believe. And they can't wait for the meta to change. They, they didn't. They're not even trying to play goats, and Shanghai knew that, and they just uh, used that momentum from their first win. And going from 0-40, they did their 4-0, and it was fun to see. So yeah, nothing to add there. <clears throat> and and I think I mentioned at at the very beginning of the season that like Shanghai is not as bad as you guys all thought they would be. Right. They have that pedigree, but but they're they're a decent team, and that's why like I've highlighted some of the some of their upcoming games because I, I think Shanghai is one of those teams that could be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, we rated the middle of the pack. It's a different team entirely. So once those jitters of that uh, first uh, win went away, they're, they're a decent team. Yeah. On Saturday, we had the Atlanta Rain go 4-0 on Paris Eternal. We had the Houston Outlaws beat Florida Ma'am 3-1. The Shock beat the Justice 4-0. And the Dallas Fuel beat the Shanghai Dragons in 5, 3-2. Now, we had been talking prior to the podcast as sort of which of the matches we felt was the most intriguing. And while I don't disagree that Atlanta over Paris wasn't the most intriguing, we did get to see a true C9. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that was maybe the worst live C9 that I have ever been witnessed to see. Like, because I, I saw some of the classic ones that uh, were done by, you know, their namesake of Clown 9, but this was horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. You know, you, you know, you have successfully pulled a C9 when everyone is confused as to what just happened, because you can even hear it in the casters voices where when the Shanghai dragons lost, I can't remember who it was walked off the payload uh, on, on Dorado, but young Jin, the, the casters, you could almost hear in their voice that they thought maybe there was some form of technical issue, like (laughs) that they weren't thinking C9 and it was just unbelievable because the dragons 
essentially lost because of that. I know, yes, they lost, but they they win Dorado. That sucker's over. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, but uh, Rain and Eternal. Yeah, we kind of we kind of touched on that already uh, due to the uh, goats uh, situation uh, with Paris previewing that map. But but when you have the Fran flying from the rooftops on on your head, okay. <laughs> I guess that's when your strategies and plans kind of fall apart, and that's what we saw there at that game. That was a very cool play. Insanely cool. That kind of reminds me of the hype of the uh, Gladiator Bamboozle from last year. So that's kind of the <laughs> the single most iconic play so far. If you don't count uh, Bumper charging off the map, uh, <laughs> that that was really insane. I, I stood up, I, I shouted. It was it was great. Speaking of Bumper, I am noticing that quite a few of these uh, Reinhardts are kind of kind of clearly. I guess imitation is the best form of flattery hmm. uh, with, with the surprise slams um, that that's yeah. become a thing. Well, when you're a bumper, you know, uh, girls want to be with him and guys want to be him. So <laughs> what can you do? I'm just happy that bumper plays Reinhardt the way I do, because I now feel justified when my team <laughs> go off on me. What, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm flanking. I'm a flanking tank. Yeah. And then on Sunday, we had the Defiant beating the Uprising 3-1, the Spark beating the Gladiators 3-1, the Charge beating the Valiant 3-1, and guess what, guys? The Excelsior beat the Soul Dynasty 3-1. It's the safest score in OWL. Now, we were a little bit split when we were talking, and ultimately, to a 2-1 vote, it was Glad and Spark. So, gentlemen, why why was Glad Spark the one that we wanted to refer to? Because, again, Spark won 3-1. Well, it's two things might have occurred in that game. Either Hangzhou Spark uh, got a brain, or Gushue learned Korean in a week. But finally, 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 we got to see our boy on the monkey for uh, four maps, and the results uh, were great. Now, LA Gladiators are kind of having maybe maybe it's an LA issue. Maybe there's a bug flying around, but they're not doing that great. At least not half as well we expected them to be this season. So, uh, yeah, that's what I think on this map. I, I liked seeing Gushwe there. And they uh, kind of came back because they had a really, really poor uh, stretch there. There are some similarities between Chinese and Korean. You can you can do some decent work in a week if you study hard enough. So, well, I'll, but, I'll leave that part to you. <laughs> <laughs> but I will touch on the the New York soul game, I think for, for a split moment. And, and I think soul dynasty is one of those teams that they always get the respect of, of the opponents just because of that lunatic high heritage. So, so I, I know like even, even ex soul dynasty people, like a lot of people give like Zephyr respect. A lot of them people give kooky respect. Um, not going to talk about kooky anymore, but, but I know that New York was kind of amped to, to play them, even though, you know, one team's, five and oh at the time the other team is like two and three or two and two or whatever it was um and and for a brief moment when when soul did a, a full hold i think on map two like there there was life in the room and then you know jonak sucked it out so yeah you remember what he said after the, the match they asked him about like his uh, idol uh ryu jehong and how does he feel about uh him defeating him he said he'll make sure he'll never beat him ever <laughs> and yeah, I kind of had chills running down my spine. Jonak is a murderer. He's yeah. just that good. Yeah. And it's, it's really funny because this Ru Hong has really kind of inspired a whole 
this whole wave of, of, of flex supports and, and, you know, well, it, it made Jonak in some ways. He created a monster. Well, looking ahead to the week that will be, we've got the rain versus the gladiators on Thursday, the valiant versus fusion and the defiant versus the hunters. Now the match that I'm going to be paying close attention to is the rain and gladiators. And it's purely based on the standings. The Atlanta rain statistically have the same map differential as the Vancouver Titans. The difference is they've lost one while the Titans are undefeated. So in my mind, we have reached that point where we now start watching the table a little bit closer. We watch the standings and the rain being real close to the Titans tail. That's why I want to pay the closer attention to it. Now, granted, I don't necessarily see the gladiators doing much, but I'll be watching the rain. Agreed. Agreed. It's going to be an entertaining match. Hopefully you get to see sure for, uh, and some sick plays out of the friend and, and his gang. Agreed. Yeah, they seem to be one of those. Uh, well, you have obviously NYXL and um, us at the top, the Titans, and it looks like Atlanta is kind of beginning to separate itself from from the middle pack. So that's uh, interesting to see how that will uh, unfold coming into the final weeks of the stage. On Friday, we've got the Eternal versus the Titans, which we already talked about, the Excelsior versus the Shock, and the Fuel versus the Dragons. Uh, split decision, but uh, the match to watch here was Excelsior and Shock. Omni, why might that be? Oh, because I'm going to be a San Francisco Shock fan for like an hour and a half. I'm going to be <laughs> shouting hard. I'm going to be right behind them. And I can't wait to see the showdown between Jonak and Violet, who is... Well, a, a very small sample size, but not only is he matching Jonak's damage out, but he's kind of even overtaking him there. And I believe that Jonak knows about this and he'll be pissed. And it's going to be a, a bloody showdown between two amazing Zens. And yeah, it's going to also be probably the toughest matchup that New York has had so far. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully they drop this match to uh, San Francisco and uh, that's about it for me. And this is a lot New York's last game of the stage, right? It Already, is. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. A they lot is on the line. they simply become observers uh, for the the final uh, week of stage one. Um, I I'll be honest, the Excelsior and Shock, and the reason I chose it goes all the way back to the stats again. Differential: the Shock are not too far off the Excelsior. The Excelsior, mm. having played six matches and gone six and zero, oh, have been reliant on their overall record. But when you look at differential, it's not as extensively out of hand as one might think. So I, I actually believe this is a far more balanced matchup than people may expect. And again, I think it'll be a gooder. Saturday, we've got R4. We've got the Valiant and Outlaws, the Dynasty and Justice, the Charge and the Gladiators, the Spark and the Defiant. Now, I don't necessarily think the dynasty are going to lose to the justice, which is why I might've gone and picked that one. Cause again, you know, I may be not as high on the dynasty as Sam is, but the spark defiant, I picked it just because I want to see the spark with their win poster. <laughs> or you're going to get it either way. Yeah. <laughs> I think I actively didn't pick it. Cause I, I really don't want to see any more defiant games. Sorry, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, credit to, I really like Ivy's game. I think he's a very strong Zarya, I think it was. But other than that, I, it's just, sorry, they're not a very interesting team to me. 
It's going to be a long one. Yeah, I, I can totally see it going uh, five maps. Game five, book it. Of the works, yeah. Yep. It's going to be a lot of... Uh, Overtimes and seven, six scores and... Eight CP, stuff. get ready. <laughs> and then on Sunday, wrapping up the week are the Paris Eternal versus the Shock, the Spitfire versus the Dragons, the Florida Mayhem and the Boston Uprising, and the Vancouver Titans, who will be wrapping it up against the Chengdu Hunters. Uh, again, split decision, but uh, the two of you had the Spitfire Dragons as the match to watch. Uh, how much is this to do with the fact that dragons are turning things around and we're still kind of wondering what's going on with the London Spitfire? How cool would it be if the dragons, the worst team in the league by 80,000 <laughs> miles beat last year's owl champions. I just think that's a cool yes. story. Yeah. And they both uh, kind of spit fire. So that'll be nice to see who outspits their opponent. <laughs> yeah. This is when we know we're running long when the bad puns go up. <laughs> well, oh. At least I didn't, at least I didn't uh, do that curveball thing before. But, uh, <laughs> that was well, rough. Well, wrapping up the uh, matches, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of Overwatch. And we are going to talk about the PTR. Now, we talked about this in the last episode. Uh, PTR had a new hero. There were some uh, changes to uh, uh, DPS a little bit. And then subsequently, we've had two separate uh, releases of more sort of patch notes and changes in the PTR, both on Tuesday as well as on Thursday. Heck, by the time you listen to this episode, they might have released more changes. But the changes have really adjusted uh, characters. So essentially, the way to look at it is this. If the character works in GOAT's meta, they probably got nerfed. In some way, shape, or form, nerfed. If the character is not embraced in GOAT's meta in any way, shape, or form, that character probably got buffed. And I wonder, is this simply the Overwatch dev team sitting in a room, tossing back the Red Bull, saying, guys, what is it going to take for us to break GOAT's meta? Now, again, I, I can't go through all of them here, but like, uh, Zen, for instance, Discord's been nerfed, but Primary Fire has been buffed to balance it out. Uh, you've got May, Primary Fire buff and a wall nerf to try to slow <laughs> things down. Uh, yeah. We talked about McCree already, um, who his with his alt can now essentially you know kill tanks through. It's insane. He, he has like thousands of thousands of damage in like a, a half a second. <laughs> Um, the other change, which was kind of weird, and it makes sense from a practical standpoint, Widowmaker, when she dies, loses her alt. You no longer get the benefit mm. of her alt when she gets domed. So, I mean, again, there, there, there's lots of changes. We're not going to go through all of them. But how much does one, this potentially break the meta, or at least introduce enough of a variable to potentially create a meta that embraces something other than goats? And two... Will we see it in time for stage two? Uh, I think it's a positive for both uh, questions. First of all, I look between the lines. I've done my calculations, pull out the spreadsheets. But at the end, I, I am basically entirely basing this on the word of pros because I'm a lowly plat. But it looks like it's the final nail of the coffin. Like you said, uh, Blizzard have been pressing that press this button in case of emergency to destroy the meta. And now they're pressing it again and again and again and again. And it looks like it might be overtuned, but with 
Zen and Lucio basically taking the biggest blows here, especially Lucio with his uh, amp it up effects. Goats will not be as fast, will not be as flexible, and with all the damage buffs coming around it, I think it, this is it. People will try to play around it and do some other stuff. Maybe with Baptiste, if he comes uh, in time, and do those um, those scary uh, bunker comps. But it looks like this is it. And if it's not, I'm afraid to see what will happen. <laughs> Maybe they'll just cancel uh, Zarya, Zen, Lucio from from the ma- from from the game. I don't know. I think it'll take till maybe stage three to, to really get Baptiste in there. From from my memory, when new heroes are introduced, it usually takes yeah. you know, a little bit longer. People want to play around with it, to iron out the tweaks and just in case. But uh, this PTR will be ready, I believe, yeah. without Baptiste, yeah. Yeah. The concern I have is, does it introduce the bunker meta? I complain about goats when it's like the system style of traditional sports play where, you know, one mistake and that's that. But I would much prefer to see goats when it's more aggressive, like sort of like how the Vancouver Titans play goats because of bumper. I mean, he is aggressive as all F and as a result, they play of an aggressive style, but the bunker strat, the bunker strat is set up shop and don't do nothing. And if you have bunker strat versus bunker strat, you know, that isn't at all exciting in my mind. Uh, I think that the bunker strat cannot be a mirror composition, really. One will be probably the defensive team will be bunkered up, or if we're looking at a pirate ship scenario here, uh, bunker strats, as, fr- as frustrating as they are, they're never like mirror matchups. So. Uh, if they will be bunkered up somewhere, we might see a Genji come in. We might see more uh, flanking uh, characters coming in, assuming it does uh, come through. It will be horrible, especially for us uh, on ladder, because it'll be basically <laughs> unpenetrable with all the you know uh, matrices and, and, uh, and the shields. It'll be awful, but I think in Overwatch League... Uh, we're going to see a bunch of funky strats. And then Goats will still have its place in some uh, points of maps, uh, especially when you're looking at like very narrow corridors and maybe payload maps. But, but yeah, it looks like uh, a lot of the pros are saying that this is, a, this is the big one. Yeah. 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 And, I th- and I think, like, in terms of Overwatch League, uh, Bastion is always a little bit of, like, a fan cult favorite. So, mm. so it's it's always kind of fun to see see your pros kind of just camping there, just like you know, the the, the silver goose. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but I think definitely in in you know in my land of silver gold, like I goats was never a problem for me. You know why? Because I'm yeah. solo queuing. I'm not even on comms. Like I'm just here to kind of relax, have a yeah. good time. But but like. I never see goats. I never see anything even <laughs> close to goats, right? Yeah, but, everybody ha- ha- hates goats, but there's basically 500 people on the planet who play it. Yeah, and 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 so like I think for for Blizzard to dedicate this much effort to to kill goats is is a little bit strange because like I'll tell you what I'm seeing a lot of in Silver Gold. I see a lot of Reaper. Reaper never seems to die, um, and, which is why and he's getting nerfed. Yeah, and, and he's everywhere, right? Like that's that's annoying to me. 
Um, but but goats not so not so big a problem. But but you know buffing the the bunker strat like that, I think that's easy enough to coordinate across across most kind of peasant levels. That <laughs> could become very very frustrating, especially if you can't use a far to pick them off in the back and and you can't juke with a tracer and and you know I don't know about you, but my Genji is terrible. So come on, just switch to Farah, Sam. Come on. I've been actually playing a lot more Farah than than I, and I'm getting dizzy, and you know, so that's where I'm going <laughs> to take a nap now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's part of the issue where they try to balance the ta- the, the game uh, in the same manner, both for us and the people who play on the stage, and for them, Overwatch League is a business and it's an entertainment sport, and when you hear the crowd booing whenever all the team just goes back to spawn and switches to goats uh that affects you that affects your shareholders it, it's bad for business so goats is bad for business yeah and we've talked about this in the last episode that's that casual sports fan the one that doesn't quite understand what's going on but what they do understand is fan reaction you want more pop you want less boo um as we wrap up our episode here we got a review in the can that's right As we have told you, if you leave a review, we will read it verbatim. Now, if you don't hear your view read and you left one, reach out to us because it could be that we just didn't see it. Again, we're relying on technology to to filter them all through. But before I read this review, I am a little bit uh, surprised because if you happen to be in the official Titans Discord, there were a few people that felt uh, we debated them with the partial reading of the copy pasta. And uh, there was a movement to leave reviews where the entire copy pasta was present because I believe Sam of all people was saying, I will read them verbatim and I follow my own rules. That's true. You're a victim of your own success. That's true. But in regards to the review that we did receive, it was from Roanoke on the iTunes store. We got five out of five stars. The best way to keep up with my fave team is the title. Roanoke says this podcast is a good way to reflect on the previous week in owl especially if the Titans are your favorite team. Definitely worth a listen. Well, Roanoke, thank you for the review. Thank you for the five out of five stars. And as you saw, I read it word for word verbatim. I will only edit it if it happens to go in, you know, risk our G-rated podcast, which quite frankly, just is G-rated because one, I don't want the 5-0 to find uh, Omni here. He's every episode, they're after him. <laughs> they just keep looking, was, but I keep on was, running. It's like GTA. That was perfect timing. Uh, but <laughs> Did also, not edit that in. <laughs> but also, it has everything to do with I'm lazy and I have to check a check mark in a check box to actually make it happen. Um, the last thing I wanted to share is that we will be at the Railway Club. We mentioned a little bit earlier, there are viewing parties each and every Titans match. Um, I'm going to be there Friday night. Uh, on the, uh, Sam, might we see the two of you this weekend? Mm, probably in one of them, yeah. yeah. The one thing I do hope gets sorted out uh, that we saw this past week was uh, there was a conflict with the space and events. Uh And as a result, everyone was huddling around the screen, which made it much more difficult for someone like me who happened to be behind to watch. I got to see like a few things and react to the pop, but this was the first time where I'm sitting there like, well, I guess I'll watch the VOD when I get home. So again, early on, iron out those kinks, but uh, any final thoughts or words of wisdom you wish to share to all of our listeners? I'll start with Sam. Do not go on any bathroom breaks during that Chengdu Hunters game on Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> you'll miss you'll miss the play of the match Omni 
Himanti, how does it feel to have only the second best mustache in Overwatch League? Wow, throwing out the heat. But who has the first best mustache? It's our boy Harsha. He well, at shaved least... it off. Well, like, so did Monty. You know, you know what I mean. Come on. So the ex, the second best X mustache. <laughs> it's it's still in there below the skin. You know, the second X mustache. Yeah, that's the technical. We got we got to do something where where we we got to bait our listeners that Light Force will grow a mustache. Dude, if you have me on social media and you dig through enough of my pictures, I have been known to grow a mustache in November. November, right? Yeah. yeah just saying, you'll you'll go and look and you'll be like, yeah, no, I, I totally withdraw the desire to have Light Forest to grow himself a mustache. Uh, I have pretty thin, like, facial hair. It's bright, too, so you might need to, like, come really close to notice anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, the final words that I always like to share with every episode is, again, we love your support. Uh, please reach out to us on Twitter, through social. We're at ReadySetPone. We're on the website with ReadySetPone.com. Uh, we have gotten, actually, a few inquiries about people uh, looking to, to work with us in future episodes, but also within the, the site itself, so please keep those coming. Uh, we've got an idea of what we want to do. We've got some time coming up with the stage playoffs. We've got a long season. We also, if you have any insight into the Vancouver Titans as to official being parties, unofficial being parties, people just getting together, hanging around, watching the Vancouver Titans and Bumper toss those bumper slams. I, I refuse to say Januk. I just, I lost <laughs> that one. It's Janu bonding me. But again, reach out to us. Uh, feedback at readysetpone.com is the email address. On behalf of myself, Chris, at Lightforce, Omni, at Omni Strife, and Sam, another Sam Chan, we are signing off your weekly episode of the Ready Set Pwn podcast with two words, catchphrase. I thought it was curveball. Okay. Thank you.